Another week. I forgot to say it last week, bro, but it was episode 222. This is 223. Uh, I guess it's equally as cool because it's also three numbers, but it's cooler when the numbers are the same. Definitely. We're, we're pretty deep into this, uh, into this podcast journey at this point. This I, is, I, I, I started at 50. <laughs> yeah, I started at 52, right? Yeah. So that's 150, no, 170 up. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 170 episodes for me? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's crazy. You've done 222 episodes, yeah, I know. V. It's crazy. Crazy. That's why your your voice gets quieter every time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> losing just my, like... I'm losing. I'm losing. I've got a couple more years of me able to talk. <laughs> the podcast in like two years is just, you're, you're just like snapping and clicking and clapping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We'll just have an AI run our episodes. Take exactly. our voices and create new episodes for us. Exactly. Exactly. V dot AI. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's gonna be a time in the very near future, probably next year, where you can just set up a chat bot that reads all your like SMS history and texts like you. Yeah. It probably can. We're like we're like one Apple privacy decision from that already. Yeah, we're pretty close. Yeah. Uh man, so Kind of a quieter week in the news cycle. We have a couple interesting stories, and I like the quiet weeks too because I've been itching to just go deeper on some of these sports topics as we're getting into you know mid to late August here. So it's kind of a good time. But let's start out with with the story with um, the Blind Side, the famous film um, that came out. I think it was in the '90s, maybe early 2000s, um, about the family that adopted the NFL player and took him in. Um, he, the NFL player, Michael Ower is, um, actually suing because the family that, um, you know, in the story adopted him apparently in real life, didn't actually adopt him, but set up a conservatorship, uh, very similar to the Britney Spears situation. And he actually never saw a penny from the, uh, movie that was entirely about his life story. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty disturbing uh, storyline that's developing. Um, I've actually gotten the chance to uh, interact with Michael O'Hare a couple of times. I never talked to him about the blind side. Um, but he's definitely a guy that worked very hard um, to overcome some real challenges in his life um, and work to become uh, a, a, an NFL player that had a pretty long and successful career. His side of the story is uh, essentially that he started discovering this post-playing career, kind of what was going on, um, that they put him under conservatorship, but they always communicated to him that he was being adopted uh, by them. Uh, It seems like this was a successful family beforehand. They own a bunch of uh, franchises, Taco Bells and things like that. So this was not a family that was struggling financially, but actually seemed to be doing very well financially. And despite those circumstances, took advantage of a kid and the celebrity um, that he created in his storyline 
to generate millions of dollars for themselves and they continue to utilize his name. Um, I think the wife is goes around and does public speaking appearances about um, the situation with Michael. And also uh, the actual story, as in the case with most of these, seems to be glorified again. Um, and, and there's a challenge specifically with this because it also uh, crosses some racial kind of undertones and issues that folks have with movies. You know, um, you know, I remember an example of this when Tom Cruise was in this movie called The Last Samurai. Of course, you're going to have the white samurai hero saving all the samurais, <laughs> you know. And so that also created the issue here, which is, OK, this this well-to-do white family took this kid in, um, this minority kid in who was from adverse circumstances and essentially saved his life was kind of the storyline that was portrayed in the movie. And now you have Michael O'Hare coming out and saying, wait, hold on a second. That's not the truth. They took me in after they realized that I was going to be a successful athlete. I obviously, he had been recognized, put in that school already, um, was going around with friends and living with different kids on the football team. And so this family decided to take him in um, and now he's looking back on it and he's saying, hey, this wasn't out of the genuine kindness of their hearts. This was opportunism. And it's so easy to get these things like kind of clouded because you're like, wait, why would a family who is already very successful financially um, take advantage of a kid like this and then take his life story and make, allow him to make zero money off of it and also trick him from a personal perspective. This is not something you play with is the idea that he felt like he had a family. That was what this was about for the kid. It was like a kid who went through a broken childhood, feeling like he had a home, feeling like he had people that actually loved him, but realizing later on that these people were doing this all to enrich themselves and enrich their own egos, which is very unfortunate um, in this, when you, when you think about all of these factors and you, you just ask yourself over and over, why do people do shit like this? I think, yeah, I think it's interesting too. I can't imagine, you know, mm-hmm. what, what went through his mind through this whole time, because it sounded like he, maybe recently learned about the structure of this agreement, which makes me now start to wonder what was he kind of in a position where, because this was such a huge movie and because it was such a huge heartwarming story, maybe he didn't feel confident really raising his voice until like now we're in this era of NIL and people are much stronger and voicing their, their name and image rights. I like, it does make you wonder, right? Like, Number one, like people who go through situations like that are already traumatized. They don't want to really speak up about their needs as much. They're already kind of in that mental state. So you have that kind of going on. But I did find it interesting that the timing is now because the movie itself is not like, you know, it's not like the movie is having a resurgence or anything. It's actually like, which is a good thing. It's kind of annoying when people come out with all their conflict, like right when the thing is having a resurgence. Um but I, I respect that he did it kind of independent of that. And it does make me wonder, you know, as, as we're kind of, um, you know, watching this story unfold, like, I wonder if he just like, didn't even know. And like somebody was just like, Hey bro, like you should have got paid for that. 
and they looked at the d- the documents and maybe he even thought he was adopted until recently like we don't really we don't really know exactly how the situation played out either well i think this is this is probably what happened and very similar to the britney spears situation is that he truly believed that these were people who had his best interests at heart right like there's certain things that you know if my dad asked me to do that i'm going to do without even thinking okay there's some there's some illicit or shady things going on. And on top of that, he was a child, right? He didn't know the difference between a conservatorship and an adoption. And it was the responsibility of the adults to communicate exactly what this thing stipulated. And then in addition to that, his focus was primarily on being a football player. And as he said, he discovered, started discovering this in 2016, um, this information post-career, um, that he never was getting any checks, that none of this money was going to him or his foundation. It was enriching the family, the, 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 the siblings and the parents, as well as their foundation. Um, it was something that he never really probably checked into because these were folks that he considered his parents, that considered his family that he thought he could trust unequivocally. Uh, and I think that that's kind of the storyline that I think we hear over and over with celebrity and athletes is this, is that one, folks who may even have had the best intentions, I don't want to take for granted that these folks may have done this initially out of their kindness of their heart, but then when the opportunities that started to present themselves through the success of the movie, through the success of the book started happening they didn't necessarily see or care about, okay, is this right or wrong? Because it's making us a lot of money right now. And it's not only money, but it's, it's bringing them attention in a celebrity that they would not have had if they just continued owning Taco Bell franchises. Is that what they did? They own Taco Bell franchises? That's what it said in the movie that they own a whole bunch of Taco Bells. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Honestly. Yeah, it's it's like it's honestly it's weird to me. Um it's it's weird to me how this stuff plays out sometimes, but you, maybe it was a, a financial advisor when you retired that was like, "Hey, by the way, what bank account do those checks go to?" And they started asking around and then they realized, "Oh, wait a second. Like they don't go to our bank account at all." Yeah, and I mean, unless you know, you don't know. Nobody really knows how much money you're this movies generating or what the structure of the deal was. He was just like, they got the movie. I'm in it. I'm probably making some money. I'm already making millions of dollars as an NFL player. Probably didn't have any idea of how much this movie generated almost $300 million at the box office. And I believe they were getting two and a half percent of the total amount. That's a significant amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're talking, you know, eight to 10 million there, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's a reasonable amount. It's, 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 I, I, I could totally understand how an athlete wouldn't notice that they weren't getting paid. Yeah. Because they get paid every week. It's like, a, it's a lot of transactions to keep track of. Yep. Yep. And, and missing the, transactions and, are tough, and, man. And then also putting trust in people like, look at the circumstances here, right? Like when you look at this family, you, you don't think that they have, he, he knows the family well. They don't have money issues. This is greed. You know what I mean? It's not, you don't think that the people who already have a lot are going to do even more. <laughs> that's the story of the world, right? And that's why you have such, such, <laughs> such wealth, the wealth distribution being the way that it is throughout the world is because people are greedy. And I think yeah. 
he was probably taken aback by this, by the fact that they could have still cut him in and made their money too. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a very strange behavior that I think it takes. And you realize when you come from a place where you're not already generationally wealthy, you have that moment where you realize this about people. We all have it, is that it doesn't matter how much money certain people have that greed knows no bounds, right? They'll still screw you over for five bucks even sometimes. It's all about the mindset. It doesn't matter how little or how much you have. It's like this this abundance versus scarcity mentality that kind of takes hold of people. Yeah, that's that's really well said. I it's it's a way of life to be that type of person. Just just how you are in every facet of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that being said, we'll see as this story unfolds how how it all plays out. It's uh, you know quite likely to go to a full on court battle, I would guess, or maybe they'll just resolve it quickly and say, you know what, like, you know that was wrong. Here you go. Yeah. Hopefully, this thing gets settled um, settled properly, and you know, more than anything, I think forget the financial element of this is that. I can only imagine the psychological trauma um, that this has created, not just, you know, within their family dynamic and for him specifically in terms of his ability to trust people. Um, and that's a price that you can't, you can't underestimate once, once you've gone through an experience like this. Yeah, totally. You know, um, V, I've been thinking a lot about this whole this whole like you just mentioned it the scarcity abundance kind of difference in mindsets and um you know i was curious if you thought what do you think about sports in terms of those mindsets like do you feel like sports tends to gather more scarcity minded folks i think surrounding sports and celebrity i would say sports and celebrity right like entertainment, entertainment you have essentially a whole bunch of folks eating off of the abundance of talent of one person, right? And that abundance of talent leads to, I mean, you look in the, we'll use sports example, right? Um, you have, you have an agent, you have a financial advisor, you have an accountant, you have a manager, you have family, you have, you know, you have an entire society of folks who typically have come from a scarcity mindset, right? And like athletes or celebrities suddenly come into sources of abundance, not just financially, but access, uh, access to things that normal society doesn't have. And so I think what happens is that they fall into an abundance mindset, the athlete or celebrity themselves, because from their perception initially, everything is going well. They're raking in millions of dollars. They're able to do whatever they want to do. But then these folks, the sharks surround them, and it's a whole bunch of people with scarcity mindsets that come in and take that value and extract that value um, from these folks because they don't think, they don't have a scarcity mindset to think that these people are going to be taking advantage of like, of them like that. They're, they tend to want to trust and they also are focus on what they want to focus on, right? Like once you become a celebrity or athlete, your life revolves around that thing, acting, doing media interviews, doing podcast interviews, you know, 
training, like your life is that, and you hire all of these folks to help you solve all the other things that you have to worry about. And it's a challenge because what you need to be able to do is to trust these folks so you can do your job well. But it seems that this trust gets compromised more often than it doesn't. And it's, it's very sad because it comes from all angles. It comes from your family. It comes from your business advisors. It comes from your agents. And you get to a point where you go from potentially having that option of having an abundance mindset and going back to a scarcity mindset because of, of the environment that you're surrounded with. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. You know, I would extend it to, I think that the same phenomenon happens in entrepreneurship and in venture specifically, Mm -hmm. because same kind of thing with venture capital, with startup investing, you have a concentrated core of abundance and vision and perspective. And you have a bunch of people with scarcity mindset trying to milk that for everything it's worth. And it's like the same thing with the athletes. Like, you can really squeeze the juice out of them if you're not careful as one of those people. It's like, it's like business models that are parasitic only work if the parasite stays small. Yep. If the parasite becomes big, it doesn't work anymore. No, it doesn't. And that's biology, but that's also like, <laughs> like scamming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the world we live in and how much, how much scamming is going on, you kind of realize where where the scarcity mindset comes into play, right? Um, and it's it's unfortunate <laughs> that these situations occur in both business and and like you said, it extends to real life. Anytime an individual, you know, and specifically, I think within you know in America, when you look at America and contextually within minority culture, right, which is a lot of folks come over as first generation escaping kind of adverse circumstances, whether it's financially, whether it's geopolitically, whether it's you know you know crime, whatever it is, suddenly that person comes over and and creates a sense of abundance, a source of abundance financially, right, because usually only the best of of class can come to this country and then suddenly they also are dealing with this i know your family's probably dealt with it my family's dealt with it now you have everyone back home saying oh he they have it i don't and instead of thinking about how do i get there they think about how can i take from this source instead of utilizing this resource to help me get to where i'm trying to go you know, and yeah. I think, and that's what usually, that's the thing that, that fascinates me about this situation. Uh, oftentimes is I always encourage folks to support people who want to better their lives. If somebody in your family, you get abundance and somebody in your family that doesn't have the opportunity to go to college because their financial circumstances wants to go to college then there's, then you should support that because they're trying to get, put themselves in a position not to be dependent on you. But the moment that they ask, Hey, can you pay my bill this month? Or can you pay for my house or my car note? Now that becomes, as you said, parasitic behavior. You know what I mean? And I think it's really important for folks to distinguish that. And and you bring up a great point in terms of the entrepreneurship world of, uh, and VC world, that's what irritates me the most about that world is how many parasites there are around 
that want to extract value, but then when things go wrong, want to be the first to raise their hand and, 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 and scream at somebody when all they were really doing was sitting along for the ride, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The truth is that a lot of people who consider themselves not to be parasites can act parasitic Yeah, as well. Like it's not, it's not, it's not even black and white because I think everyone has moments where they're not acting in, you know, the most advantageous mindset to, to themselves and yeah. everyone around them. So it's not even like, it's not even like a blame thing. It's not even a pointing fingers thing, but it's just like an awareness thing that like anytime you have a situation where you have a really, really bright light, you're going to have a lot of moths. Yeah, you definitely are. You definitely are. And the, and the thing is, is, you know, what, what happens when enough moths surround a light, the light gets dimmed, right? Yeah. And so that's... And the moths die, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they catch I mean, on fire. The, the, it's the unfortunate reality, right? It's like you got to be very... No one is going to... No one is going to tell you to be self-aware. No one is going to tell you to pay attention. Nobody is going to tell you exactly what you need to do. You have to be aware. And oftentimes you learn through your mistakes, right? Like, I don't know anybody who is, who does shine light. They can't, can point to their lives and say they haven't been taken advantage of multiple times. It's all about your perspective on that, right? It's like, okay, well, I got taken advantage of because I have a lot to give and, and someone taking advantage of me is not going to keep me from getting to where I need to go. That's on them and for them to deal with the karma that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I wanted to kind of bring up a separate topic, but I do think it's kind of similar. Um, there was this interview that happened recently. You probably saw it. It was this new kind of TikTok star, Bobby Altoff who interviewed Drake, then Lil Yachty, then Mark Cuban. And has just been on, on this like out of nowhere kind of tear in mainstream. And uh, she did this interview with Drake and that was a couple weeks back and everybody kind of the narrative was like, where did this girl come from? Like, how is she having this opportunity to interview Drake and to do it so quickly after like to go Drake, to Lil Yachty to Cuban, like to do that so quickly too. Um, I, I saw number one, she's signed to William Morris Endeavor. So there is um, kind of that, that shared agency backing. But something interesting that happened yesterday is that the interview clips of her and Drake have been taken down from her page. And the interview of them together has been taken down off of YouTube. And the two don't follow each other anymore. So what... You know, I, I just thought that whole situation was curious and I wanted to get your take on, you know, you, you know, a little bit more about what's happening kind of behind the scenes there on the industry. Like what would cause, first of all, somebody like Drake to give the time of day to somebody new like that, who, you know, Drake doing the interview is putting her already on a totally new stratosphere and then to, you know, seemingly fall out, you know, two weeks later. Yeah, I mean I think I think it's a it's it seems to be a pattern with Drake too, right? He had this issue with Ice Spice. Ice Spice, yeah. Um, That's what people were saying online. I mean, when I look at Drake and and you know, this might make people a little uh a little um uncomfortable, but the reality is that Drake 
is very, very strategic in everything that he does. And part of what he does um, consistently is he, when he recognizes a trend or something that could blow up and create a lot of headlines and, and for himself, he does it, you know, with random artists that he'll jump on a record with, he'll sense a buzz and knows that by jumping on it, it does two things. One, it helps the artist out, but it's about Drake. You know what I mean? It is about Drake, why he does it, which is he gets the credit for for jumping on a new trend. It keeps him relevant. It keeps him consistent. Um, I think he did this podcast after Little Yachty did it, right? I think Lil... Other way around. Other way around. Other way around. Was Drake the first... Drake was the first major guest after Funny Marco. Yeah, the Funny Marco thing is the one that blew her up. And so he recognized, okay... This is an under the radar talent. If I jump on, it's going to make her platform huge, but it's also going to make, because it's me, it's also going to generate a lot of headlines overall. You know what I mean? And so it did, it did just that because the context of the interview, the questions that were asked, um, she is, I did watch, I do watch her interviews. They're interesting. Her approach is very interesting, you know, but the idea of having Drake and her in the same bed was a little strange weird very, especially because she's married with a baby yeah. and she's like a mom tiktoker yeah it's very very <laughs> strange um and then you know these these kind of rapid rises of folks who are normal they're not necessarily prepared for this you know what i mean it's not like she's famous now because uh you know for any reason other than the fact that she interviewed drake and interviewed lil yachty interviewed funny marco and mark cuban right it's like and then this fallout happens where they actually realize that there's certain things about Drake she probably doesn't like. There's certain things that he doesn't like about her. It was based on a mutual gained value. And sometimes that value doesn't mean in this industry, like most people are not your friends. It's a whole bunch of people exchanging value to help themselves out. And so she probably is not, I don't know if she's aware of that, but. Drake already did his part for her, right? Regardless. And maybe some of this controversy post is also kind of helping, you know, I I don't know, you know. For him to pull it down, what I was reading online is folks were saying that he probably tried to sign her to something and got upset that she didn't want to do it, basically. Yeah, I mean, nobody really knows what's going on um, there, but these these incidents, you look at them and you see how Drake maneuvers. It's just, it's all, it's all just, some of these are short-term value adds. Some of them are long-term value adds. Um, one thing I would not, I do not see Drake as in, in any of these situations is behaving petty, right? Like, I don't think... That rumor doesn't seem... You don't think he's petty? I don't think he has... I don't think he's... he's He pulled it down because uh, because of some deal gone wrong, right? I think he pulled it down because of the controversy that was starting to build. This lady was dealing with personal life problems with her husband because of the nature of that interview. It was very strange. Drake has a history of being a home record. You know what I mean? Like, so those issues are probably real ones. Like, I think mm-hmm. there was a singer or somebody that he was working with before that he was, the rumor was that he was trying to sleep with her and her husband had an issue. So these are the room. What's true and what's not 
we don't know. These are all rumors, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And if somebody's, if Drake is doing an interview with this, this girl that before you did the interview, nobody really knew he, why is Drake doing an interview with you? You know what I mean? Yeah. What's going yeah. on there? And why the hell are you guys in, are in bed together? You know what I mean? So regardless of like what it did for her professional career, it's creating real personal tension. And there's a history of this happening with, with Drake and the women he deals with that, you know, is interesting. Yeah. I think that's a good point. The, the point you bring up too, about like how the interview reflected, like it could very well be on her side. It could just be like, Hey, like this doesn't make my husband feel good. Yep. Yep. And I mean, I think she should have known that before she climbed into a bed to do an interview. Yeah. Sometimes people don't think about the consequences of their actions when they make them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it it sucks that all of this plays out in, in social media for the world to judge. But the the reality is, is that this is a situation that is very sensitive personally um, to to this person's life. We'll see what, how this all plays out, because now she has a platform that she probably never expected to 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 have. And we'll see, you know, how they how she handles it, how you handle the fame that comes to you pretty much dictates how the rest of your career goes. You know, what I thought was kind of whack was that I saw her do an interview on Dave Portnoy's podcast and she wasn't in character. Yeah. And I was just like, why, why? Yeah. You know? And I couldn't help but notice like for her to not be in character in that, she even was in character. She did like a news interview. Yeah. She was even in character for that. So I'm just like, is the character like, is it starting to die? Is she getting sick of it? Or is there some sort of like with these agencies too? like, you know, I, I do expect some sort of kind of strategy to be happening between the agency and, and the various parties at play here, because it's not like, you know, it's not like it's their first time breaking a talent. Yeah, and, and Drake has a very close relationship with the William Morris agency. I don't know if he's still represented by them, but that's the other thing is there's there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of politics that we don't know of, of why certain things are happening and certain things are created artificially, like buzz and, and things like that. You know, things that appear to be organic are not always organic. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So it's an interesting one. I just thought it was worth bringing up because she's turning into this huge cultural icon, but clearly like maybe it was a little bit too fast to bring somebody up that quickly. Maybe, maybe it should have taken a little bit of a more gradual process. Cause going to Drake right off the bat, bro, like for your second episode of your podcast, like I get, I get what you're saying. Drake's always kind of early in calling out these talents, but it probably would have behooved her to do the Lil Yachty one first before doing the Drake one. Yeah. I think the little Yachty one came through Drake. Yeah, it did. And then uh, she did one with Tyga too, like the week after that. Yeah. I think probably also through Drake. So my guess also, bro, is that if, if Drake made all those intros, then he's probably trying to start like a barstool type of competitor. Yeah, he might be. He might be interesting when you talk about Barstool. Their uh, their partnership with Penn Gaming seemed to be a royal failure. Um, and Dave Portnoy, I guess they bought it back. He he had to buy it back. He last bought it week. back. I think. Yeah, he had to buy it back. So that. But he didn't. 
he didn't buy it back because of the partnership. He bought it back because yes. I forget the group that bought it. They were going through a sale and they had to leave that behind. Yeah. ESPN uh, is partnered with Penn Gaming now. So they, they Oh, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah. So Barstool yeah. and Penn no longer have a partnership. But again, it's that case of like Barstool is a niche kind of thing. It was probably a mistake to partner with a large uh large corporation in the gaming industry like they did so um but it's interesting now now portnoy bought it back i think they bought it back for rumor has it they a, a dollar a dollar yeah. and for him to make what nine figures just two yeah. years ago or yeah year? so like, basically he 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 hustled them that's what it is bro yeah. and it's like people get people get crazy like you could see that company now it's 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 got some talent. It's got like five, six, seven really good, talented people that have built great followings. But prior to that, when they did the exit, it was mostly Portnoy building that whole company. Which respect to him for getting there. That's not easy. In yeah, media. I mean they utilized the money and the resources from Penn to build the platform larger than Penn. <laughs> Essentially, you know, they spent somebody else's money, and now he owns a hundred percent of it again. You know, yeah, it's. It's a, uh, it's an interesting and smart move. It worked out great for him, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> it hasn't worked out too well for, uh, Penn Gaming's, uh, shareholders, including myself. <laughs> oh, you're a shareholder in <laughs> small, it? Small, very small shareholder. Yeah. The, um, the other thing that I wanted to mention, this may, maybe not a popular perspective, but I've been thinking about this for a few weeks. There was that white party with Michael Rubin, right? Yeah. You, like maybe a month or two back. Dude, why does anyone give a fuck about Michael Rubin? Like, why is he, why is he the guy all of a sudden? Well, I mean, again, everyone, everyone is playing a game here, right? Michael Rubin runs Fanatics, um, which is very, imp very impacted by sports culture and entertainment culture making himself the centerpiece of this kind of accepting everybody in, in all these cultures is a very shrewd and smart business decision because now suddenly it opens up so many opportunities for what the base of his business is. Right. And that's, you know, a, no, he's a billionaire, right? But the thing that makes him cool is that he's a billionaire that wants to be cool. And and not only does he want to be cool from everyone that I know that's interacted with him seems like he actually is cool to a degree, right? For a bill, as cool as you can expect a billionaire to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, when I saw the footage of CJ Stroud throwing him passes with Kevin Hart on the beach, I was just like, and Odell was there too. I was just like, this is the corniest thing I've ever seen. Like none of these guys are like remotely even close to this guy in personality and you know like i appreciate michael rubin for what he what he does as a business person but you can't be sitting here you know trying to convince me that cj stroud is authentically wanting to hang out with michael rubin yeah i mean i think he's he's he creates environments that people want to be a part of and then i think also mm -hmm. um kind of what he did for meek mill also bought him some cachet and respect um in 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 these worlds as well so and then it's also it seems like he's very giving of information and and helpful which 
um, folks aren't, and it's all is very accessible to a lot of a lot of folks. So I, I wouldn't say it's inauthentic, but there's something for every. Everyone's doing this because there's something for them to gain. Whether it's you know having a good relationship with a billionaire is not a bad thing. You know, if Michael Rubin wanted to be my friend, I'd probably be his friend. You know, <laughs> so. but, but we're 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 not expecting. You know, I I think we're not expecting Michael Rubin to be the call when CJ is having a bad game to be like, yo, what should I do? Right. Like it's, it's fascinating. It's fat. It's definitely fascinating. It's like, what the, what the hell is going on here? And again, then again, you know, all the conspiracy theorists will come out and come up. (laughs) If you look at all the conspiracy theories, you'll, you'll realize that this is all a a ploy that's been created by the Illuminati. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, dude, like just to, just to even get people to show up, right. To get the Kardashians, to get, you know, the extent of talent they get, like it, he's not able to get like a Drake to pull up. And like, this is where to me, Drake has always maintained a level of like authenticity because he just doesn't, doesn't really do that stuff. No, he just shows up to every basketball team's practice in the country. He does that. Yeah. (laughs) He does that. But like. I appreciate you don't see Drake at the Met Gala. Yeah. You know, he's not who he's not. Yeah. I mean, he dictates and controls his environments. Yeah. So I wish the rest of the celebrity core was a little little bit more, more like that, a little bit more uh, pride for themselves and a little less like, let me just do whatever it takes to be around rich people. Yeah. I mean, I think Michael Rubin obviously built a relationship with Meek Mill and then Jay-Z. And once you have a relationship with Jay-Z, you, yeah. you can open a lot of doors. Um, and so I think that's really how this yeah. thing all played out. And then in addition to it, with the company he owns, it makes sense for him to be friendly with a lot of athletes and people surrounding surrounding that culture. Yeah. And I'm sure he's a nice guy, no doubt. And he did some great things with Meek too. But I mean, even the Meek stuff, like the optics of that are kind of sus. Like you see the videos and it's, I don't know, just like, it looks like Meek has, is just kind of constantly having to degrade himself yeah, in that group. It, it seems you know? weird. I don't understand yeah. why Meek's part of their group either because Meek is, I don't know, he just comes across, uh, he just comes across as a, a ill fit in that group. <laughs> It's it's weird for sure. Like the whole and dynamic then, of it is. And then it's like it's like Meek Mill, Robert Kraft, Michael Rubin, and Jay Z flying around the world. I'm like, what is going around here? Going. I know, here? and it's like I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy that they're really friends like that. I definitely don't think that that Robert Kraft is cool like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and if they are, then that's the best thing ever. Yeah, it is. It is. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we're. But hopefully, hopefully that is what it is. If that is what it is, then they deserve way more hype. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah. They definitely do. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, time will tell. Time will tell one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that brings us to, to the end of another episode. Maybe we need to become friends with Michael Rubin, then we'll have the number one podcast in the country for sure, because we'd have any guest we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> starting with Drake. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! On that note, uh, brings us to the end of another episode. Um, always remember to stay moving. Uh, be, 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 be